Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wiley, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we share our most personal histories and celebrate each other's sexual creativity in an effort to make the world a better place by improving sex lives everywhere. Our guest today is a 36-year-old cis woman who will identify as pansexual if she has to pick a label. She's a trisexual who's always been a sexual explorer. She's recently gotten to know her unexpected dom side, but also likes getting to know the dom sides of men she's dating. A creative entrepreneur who does lots of arts from Central California. Welcome, Rebecca. Hello. And I do want to remind our listeners, if they listen to episode 100, you have heard her pegging, her unexpected pegging story, which is fantastic. So now we get to fill in all of the details. Oh, there are plenty. <laughs> Will you start off by telling us where you fall today on the sexual shame meter with 10 being the most shame and one being the least? Two. Awesome. Can you say why? Why do I have no shame? <laughs> um, because I had shame for so long mm. that, well, I wouldn't say that. I didn't have outward shame. I had inward shame. So I was always very out there with my sexuality, dated different genders without caring, but my shame came from within, mm. behind closed doors. So um, I've worked really hard to not be that person anymore. So I've never had shame outwardly. Inwardly, I'm finally not shaming myself either because I've had kind of a epiphany brought on by COVID and being so contained and having to change the way I date and relate to other people and, you know, associate with other people that it's changed me. And I've just become this unabashed, you know, sextress. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And can you give us a little overview of what your sex life is like right now? At the moment, it is not there. Yeah, I'm on an intentional hiatus from yet another failed online dating potential that led to another, I wouldn't say let down. I'm at the point now where I tell people up front, you get one screw up and I get one screw up. Mm. If you screw up and you can legitimately make a culpa your way out of it, I'll give you another shot. Uh, two, I'm losing your number and I'm not talking to you at all anymore. I just can't. And so I was about a month in and number two, screw up. And I'm like, no, like I made my deal breakers clear. And second time I just stopped answering. So that's where I'm at right now. So this hiatus though, does it extend to your solo sex life? You know, my solo sex life is something that I struggle with because for some reason, I don't really think about masturbation when I'm not sexually active with a partner. I'm either on or off it seems like. So mm. once a week okay. works for me. Yeah. It's just, I turn it off and I don't think about it that much. I don't feel horny as much, but when I'm active with the partner, I find myself needing to have solo sex way more frequently, which is interesting. I'm sure for some people it's the opposite, but for me, it's, you know, the more I'm getting, the more I need. <laughs> yeah. Positive feedback loop. Yeah. Back in your younger years, when do you first remember hearing about sex? I don't know for sure what the first time is, but I remember this. We're talking 80s, and a lot of people had the black cable box. 
that was illegal to have to get channels to get like HBO mm-hmm. but channel 00 and 01 were the spice channels okay. and they were porno channels and so it came in clearly and I would sneak I don't know how I discovered this um but I would say five six like young just like what what are they doing like just curious because I didn't grow up in a in a naked household so to speak so I mean mm-hmm. naked bodies were not something I was familiar with and I was just fascinated with what they were doing and curious and the sounds and what like I didn't know what it was obviously at that young but then I remember my mom and I always having a really open relationship so I, I don't remember when I exactly asked her but she always gave it to me straight so I'm sure it was around that time I asked her and she just would tell me directly what sex was. <laughs> I had a very clear, concise image and understanding of sex really young, mm-hmm. but I think in an appropriate way because I, it wasn't shoved down my throat, no yeah. pun intended. It was, <laughs> it was you know, I, I wanted to know and I was given an honest answer. And so it wasn't inappropriate in my mind at mm-hmm. that point because I just got to know what I wanted to know. Did your parents ever bring it up other than you asking it? Or what was the vibe like when, if they ever talked about it? Other than, well, with my dad, no. Like, even to this day. Okay. No. Mom and I, growing up, you know, I'm an only child. We were always more like friends. So I could go to her with anything. And so, I mean, no, I don't think it was a topic. Like, I wouldn't want to, like, watch sex scenes as a teenager with her in the room. Like, but but it was, you know, if I had a question. So, yeah, okay. the, the dialogue was was usually led by me, not shunned, but not, you know, accentuated mm-hmm. either. Did you get an official sex talk with morals and values and advice or anything like that? Well, I grew up in at the church, okay. so in Lutheran, in the Lutheran religion, which is, you know, kind of a tiny break from Catholicism, mm-hmm. very, you know, not far from it. And I got the purity ring with the little clothes. Oh, wow. Okay. And swore myself to Jesus and and wholeheartedly at 12 thought that that was, you know, of course, that did not last long. Wait, how long did it not last? Two years. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So fall from grace was quick. But, you know, I, it took me a long time. And even as an adult to break from the indoctrinated religious side that I grew up in. And to truly believe that I can form my own opinions and I don't have to adhere to religious doctrine. Like I, like the literal fear of God was put in me very young. And so something I struggle with even as an adult, especially when it comes to sexuality and being so ambiguous with my orientation. But, you know, I, I definitely got a lot of don't do it from the church, from my mom was more, tell me if you're going to do it we'll get you on birth control kind of, you know, I, you should wait. You have the purity ring, but the purity ring was more for probably grandparents or for show. I don't know. I probably even asked for one. I don't know. (laughs) I had, I, I, I went, I I just switched. I do that a lot. Mm. (laughs) Um, So I, I mean, junior high, I was very straight laced cheerleader, 4.0 grade point average. You know, that's how I was raised. And I hadn't really been exposed to anything that wasn't straight-laced yet. So, you know, 
when I rebelled after freshman year out of Catholic school girl and went to a public school, that was when I decided I wasn't going to follow the rules anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> and never went back. Okay. So so did you end up telling her when you decided to fall oh, from yeah. grace, as you said? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I think I I overshared until oh. probably just the last few years with my mom. Like there was not enough boundaries, in my opinion, mm-hmm. as an adult. Now with a daughter of my own, I think there still needs to be boundaries. I think an open dialogue with a parent is good, yeah. but there still has to be some parental authority, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's a it's a tough line there okay. between too comfortable and not comfortable enough with a parent when it comes to sex. Yeah. Did you a sex ed lesson in school, either from teachers yeah. or your fellow students? Funny story. I actually got sent to the principal for giving a sex ed lesson on the playground in third grade. What? Because one of my friends, mm-hmm, one of my friends said you could get pregnant from kissing. And apparently I was very offended at that, you know, thought because I knew the, I knew the deal. So the principal overheard me or someone overheard me in detail describing sex in a very clinical way, but a very, you know, I knew the proper terms. It's not terms you expect to hear on the third grade playground. So I got sent to the principal and my mom came in and was like, but well, is she wrong? I mean, she wasn't. She was just educating them. But yeah, I she got me out of trouble, so to speak. But yeah. the school didn't like that. And I remember, I think, fifth grade, the basic guys go in one room, girls go in another. We we watched a video about periods and how you get pregnant. Very basic. This would have been early 90s. So mm-hmm. it wasn't what it is now, I'm sure. And I think it was probably severely lacking if I hadn't had that education at home. Yeah, I can see how girls would think you could get pregnant from kissing. And I do remember my mom renting some videos from Blockbuster. I'm, I'm dating myself again, but a video about like masturbation. And, and all I remember from this video is it was like a cartoon and it was a young adolescent, I'm assuming, in a bed under the covers and the bed was like shaking. And then a big hand of God came down into the bedroom, like pointing and it was like, you may feel like God is watching and that you shouldn't be, but it's natural. Oh my God. But I pictured for years, every time I was masturbating, the massive hand of God coming through, like it did the opposite. Oh my like, God. I still even have that image sometimes today, like the, the, the big hand of God coming down. Do you ever imagine the big hand of God coming down to like touch your clit just perfectly and give you a great orgasm? Because <laughs> maybe that's the oh, healing God. answer. <laughs> I don't know, but I do remind myself, like, I have to tell, it's natural. It's okay. Oh like, yeah. So like I said, the, the indoctrination is, it, it's hard to shake between my mom and the blockbuster videos and my just curiosity and absorbing as much detail as I could find. Yeah. I got a good education one way or another, pretty young. Do you ever remember learning explicitly about consent? No. Yeah. And I should have. We and all should have, but if not just consent. Here's the thing. Not that's geese, by the way. There's a pond outside my window. Really? Um, that's it, awesome. It's snow geese, Canadian snow geese. Consent. Okay. So if I had been talked to about consent, my whole life's course would have been different. 
I honestly don't think I would be pansexual or bisexual. I wouldn't be bisexual because I, I, I identified as bisexual, you know, in high school and, mm-hmm. and until pansexual became a, a term that mm-hmm. became known to me. I don't think I would have been sexual with girls as early as I was if I had been taught about consent because there was some abuse with a female babysitter at eight Okay, that if I had known about consent, I would have known that that wasn't a normal thing. Yeah. I know girls, you know, experiment and you, you kiss your girlfriends and play whatever. I think that's pretty typical, but a 12 year old with an eight year old, yeah, you know, the same sex consent, yeah. I think is even more grossly passed over than opposite sex consent. And, and that's already so not taught like it should be. But consent throughout, I mean, I, my brain literally starts filling up between eight and 18, all the times consent would have played a part. Mm-hmm. If I had known that I had that ability or option, or even knew about harassment, yeah. or I, I didn't, I thought it was normal, you know, like even my dad's friends saying inappropriate things and like flipping my cheerleading skirt up. Oof. No one told me that that was wrong. Oh. So I thought it was normal. I mean, I, how would I know? I knew it made me uncomfortable. Yeah. But I didn't know about consent and I didn't know about harassment. And the grownups around me were not, you know, doing anything. Yeah. So I didn't realize just how far back stuff like that went in my life until I was in my 30s wow. and was like, oh whoa, that's really gross. Someone should have taken that more seriously or at least told me that it's okay to be upset about that. Yeah. You don't, you know, nobody has consent to do that. and <laughs> Give it to them. So yeah, I, I wish consent would have played a bigger role from a really young age. Yeah, it sounds like it's layers of layers of like not knowing what is okay or not, not knowing how to articulate when something feels not okay, not knowing what to do about the whole situation. So when did you start choosing to engage with other people? And like, how did you start to understand your own sexuality? And how did that play into religion if you got a promise ring at 12? Yeah, well, that's the interesting part is, I think because of that encounter with another girl, you know, at such a young age, that almost normalized same-sex sexuality for me. I Mm -hmm. didn't even realize it was sexuality because it was normal to me. Right. It, I, it didn't, it was presented almost like in a game way to me by this older girl. And, you know, it doesn't feel bad. And I was told it was normal. So I, and that went on for, you know, at least a year. It wasn't until I started learning in like, I think eighth grade about sexual harassment and sexual abuse that I was like, oh my God that I think that happened to me, you know, I, I, and and it it was a, I'd agree that it was, it was rough. What did you do? I told my mom and she didn't believe me. So I don't know. I think it was her own inability to process that, you know, that someone she trusted, you know, or maybe thought I was exaggerating. I don't know, but for one reason or another, 
it was not addressed. It was not, nothing, nothing came of that. So I was sexual, not to that degree. Like to be more specific, she taught me oral sex. So at, at eight years old. So that became a normal part of playtime with her, right? And so realizing as a teenager and an adult, I'm still processing that, you know, what that did to me and continues to do to me and who I am and how I relate to women. But I think the big part of that, I'm almost, took me a long time to not be upset about it, but I'm almost glad because in a way, I, I can connect and be comfortable with women in a totally different way because it was always so normal for me. Granted, I'm, I'm not glad it happened at eight, but I'm glad I've been able to turn that trauma into something positive. So to get back to your question, I was sexual-ish with my friends. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of girls, you know, around 10, 11, start, you know, pretending one is the boy. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But I would say around 10, 11... With my girlfriends, you know, one would be the girl, so we'd put socks to have boobs, and one would be the guy, so we'd put a sock in our pants uh-huh. and, like, grind and pretend we were doing stuff and, like, kiss. And that was, with, like, quite a few of my girlfriends. I don't know if we were getting turned on, yeah, but I think we were pretending to. Like, I don't know. I, I... But those were my beginnings, I think. Does that feel related or influenced by those early channels that you flipped through like was there a connection there or was it just sort of what did it feel like yeah yeah because I remember showing them like we take out okay and I show them because I was just so fascinated and I'm like let's pretend we're doing that and not in a predatory way there I was like yeah you know because my friends are always really curious too and all came from families where they didn't know as much you know at 10 11 most girls or people are curious and if they have that one friend that knows all the all the things yeah. and then they're going to want to know. I wish I'd had that friend. I was so curious. <laughs> I was the one that, yeah, I was the Pandora's box for sure. And so that became just being sexual, but not truly sexual. Mm-hmm. I remember trying to masturbate, you know, around those times, but How I, uh, probably in the eight to 11 range. Okay. I remember like seeing it on those channels and trying to do it, but not really getting it. Like it, I wasn't able to, to stimulate myself. I was just fumbling. Like I didn't, I didn't know what the goal was. I just, they looked like they were having fun and I was trying to duplicate that, but I wasn't really doing anything. So I was trying to no avail. I think, I think, the, I don't know. When I turned 13, which would have been eighth grade, my parents let me have a makeout party because that was the thing. What? So, yeah. I have and, never heard of this. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, yeah. Like suck and blow the game with the card. Uh, uh, it's You get like a card from a deck of cards and you suck in so it stays on your face. And then you turn to the person next to you and either oh my gosh, they suck the card and turn to the next person or you blow the card off of your mouth and kiss them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How have I and never heard it, of this? And why did nobody invite me to play? <laughs> yeah, I my parents knew. Like they stayed in their room. They were home. They stayed in the back room. We had balloons and streamers and oh confetti. And, but it was everyone that came knew. Like the guys that came knew this was the plan. And I remember they were all chewing gum. The, that <laughs> blue gum. I still, I cannot 
taste or smell that gum without being back in that dark family room of my childhood home. Um, And we all just took turns, like, really making out. And I think that was probably my first, this was my first kiss. That's kind of awesome. With the guy that I was, like, well, the guys, you know, we only invited the the hot ones. So I got to kiss, make out with all the hottest guys in school. I was going to say, when COVID is over, I want to have a make out party, a suck and blow party. The perks of an eighth grade cheerleader, I don't know if this is normal, but it was for me. And so I remember there's pictures of of all of this. Mm-hmm. And right after my first kiss, there's a picture of me falling back into like mid-fall back into the recliner. And the look on my face is just like bliss. Wow. Like, like, oh, it has arrived. Like, I just, I loved it. I loved it. I remember my first thought was, wow, this is kind of nasty just because like the spit and like the gum made for like, you know, excess saliva and stuff. And, but I remember being like, okay, like, okay, yeah. she's here. I get, okay. I can do this. Like I can make out with guys. It's no big deal. And that was probably around the time I got a purity ring which is very contradictory. And I remember I had friends that I knew were having sex. It was not something that I wanted to do at that point Mm -hmm. because I was saving myself. Mm -hmm. But I think I always knew I wasn't going to. I think that was kind of a facade. I was lying to myself, I think, a little bit. Yeah, then I went to an all-girls. I didn't kiss again, I don't think, for a while. And then I went to an all-girls Catholic high school, which is a whole new... So I went to a public junior high and then went to an all-girls Catholic high school culture shock and you know, uniforms, the whole thing. And um, was exposed to whole new type of people. And, and I, and I got on the cheerleading squad. Like I was on the same trajectory as I had been because I thought I was going to be the same person, but something switched freshman year and I didn't want to be a cheerleader anymore. And I didn't want to get a 4.0 anymore. And I didn't want to be a goody goody anymore. And so I, you know, tried marijuana and loved it and you know started hearing about my friend's sex stories and was like okay maybe I don't want to be a square (laughs) at Mm. all and maybe I want to go to the public high school next year but there's no way I can I can't go back to sophomore year a virgin so (laughs) yeah I made sure I didn't okay (laughs) Wait, I want to ask you because it is a Catholic, yeah. you were like a Catholic schoolgirl. That ever has that ever entered into your sexuality? Did you ever feel were you even aware of the trope at the time of attending high school? No. Okay. No. And since no. then? No. Um no, because this was pre-Britney Spears. So her video, I think her video okay. kind of, you know, ignited oh, really? that schoolgirl for my generation okay and that was the year after I started I, high school. I remember being so, 11 or 12 when that outfit came out like when her what you're talking about so I don't think I was aware of anything really sexual specifically before then you know yeah no I knew the okay. cheerleader thing I certainly worked that to my advantage but yeah no I I just didn't like anything about that environment okay. and so I had to get out of there and I had to make sure I started sophomore year at the public school, not a virgin because God forbid. So, wow. Okay. So can you walk us through though, like emotionally or thought process or whatever it was, what was going on in your head 
I feel like there's a little feeling in there that wants to be, that's like the missing piece of like what changed. I, you were just like, fuck this. No. Yeah. I wish I had like that moment. I feel like starting to smoke weed probably had a lot to do with it. Okay. (laughs) And hearing your friend's sex stories. That was the first naughty thing that I'd done. Being a high school cheerleader was much different than being a junior high school cheerleader. And although I didn't get the Catholic schoolgirl trope, I certainly fell into the Catholic schoolgirl cheerleader because we were cheerleaders for the neighboring all boys school. So we were sexualized. I mean, we just, we we just were by, I mean, because the pep rallies, you know, we walk into an all male school and dance for them. I mean, that's what it is. When it comes down to it, that's what's going on. So that was the thing that led you to be like, no thanks, going back to public school and having sex like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I think go, the mass having a religious, like, you know, having mass in in the middle of the school week, I'd never combined those before. And I was like, what? No, I'm going to ditch. I'm going to go get high with my friends. Like, no. Mm. And because I wasn't Catholic, like I couldn't take communion. We had to like cross our hands and bow our heads. So we had, we were like different. Oh. So I thought I, I didn't want to be like publicly shamed for being Lutheran. So I, I started ditching mass to go get high behind the supermarket with my friends and meet up with my friends from junior high that were ditching from their public school. So I just, I, you know, I had a lot of friends that were at the public school because okay. junior high. So I think being a cheerleader for a all-male school is what started me realizing my sexual power and what putting on a certain outfit could do and what power that gave. Do you remember the moment that you first felt sexy? Not just like sexual ink. Yeah, you do. Okay. Can you tell us? Cause I have a moment that I just remembered. Oh, I can tell you because it ended in, in police. Um, (gasps) so one of my friends in the cheerleading squad had an older sister. I think it was a senior at this Catholic school and she had a convertible. And so we would all ride to the games in the convertible in our uniforms, you know, with loud music, probably Master P or something ridiculous. And after one of the games, because our games were at like the big sports complex in town. So it was like a big deal. It's a small town. So we somehow spread it around that I was, we were going to drag Main Street in the convertible with me topless with nothing but my cheerleading skirt because I had big boobs. I was already a D. I was like the only freshman cheerleader with knockers. It was, oh my God. That probably played a lot with the sexualizing part too. So I did, we went down Maine and we had all the, you know, D bags and their lifted trucks because Catholic school guys are even worse than Catholic school girls. Let me tell you, they're rich and they have the big, huge trucks. And so we've got like a mm-hmm. freaking parade and I'm going down the main street of town topless in uniform well half of it (laughs) Um, and everyone's honking and screaming and yelling and then we hear sirens and I got an indecent exposure ticket and somehow managed to not to keep that from my parents to this day they don't know about that I have no idea how I worked that out I must have known someone I don't. There was at least one thing you didn't tell your mom. True. True. There are a few things to this day that I have not told you. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> but that was my 
like I created a public ruckus with my boobs and then got in trouble. So, and it was kind of cool, you know, getting in trouble with the police was was like risky, you know, and that kind of started my, my reputation in this small town of being the wild girl. And did that help you on your prowl to enter sophomore year without your virginity? Um, yeah, <laughs> I had had a, it's kind of very Dawson's Creek type situation. I had a, a guy friend all growing up that was in the neighborhood that I always had a mad crush on. Mm-hmm. And we, we started, you know, kissing and, you know, probably like eighth grade freshman year, like we'd all play on the weekends that we'd like kiss in the bushes or whatever. And I was like, okay, so here's the thing. We need to have sex because I can't start sophomore year a virgin. And I knew he'd had sex with one of my friends. And so I was like, school starts in two weeks. Like, we got to do this. So, like, I had a friend go get us condoms. And we drank because we were this. I was already starting to drink quite a bit at this point, too. And so we got drunk. And I don't have a great losing it story. I I wish it was. I wish I did. I remember, like, he he went to go down on me. And then he was like, oh, my God, you have hair. And I was like. What? Oh, fuck. I'm 14. Yeah. Not a porn star. I didn't even know about grooming your pubic hair yet. Like yeah. I didn't. I can't imagine I had that much, and yeah. I didn't know to be shamed for it because I did, thought everyone has it. So did he not we, have hair? Yeah, he he did. I guess maybe my friends already were doing Brazilians. I don't know, but I was like okay, well, yeah, then don't do that if it's a problem. Like, don't. And I was like, okay, let's just get this over with. Because I was feeling like, then I was like, all like, oh, yeah. I'm, am I a monkey? I don't know. And, um, damn geese again. <laughs> um, it was really funny because it was like, right as you said, am I a monkey? And I heard, <laughs> yeah, I know. Stupid ducks. So I was like, just, just put it in. Like, just put the condom on, just put it in, and then I won't be a virgin anymore, and then I don't have to deal with it. And it was dry, and it was like two, three penetrating pumps, or if you will, and I'm like, no, no, get off of me. This is terrible. I'm not, no. I was like, I think that counts, right? Like, it was in there, right? Oh my god. So, he's like, well, yeah, but we're not done, and I'm like, I don't care. Bye. Like, no, this is not, this is not like I saw on TV. This is not working. I am not enjoying this. Um, There was no like blood or anything. I never bled in any of, like I never had the hymen experience or anything. I had a little blood from vigorous anal sex, (laughs) but that was recent. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's different. But yeah, I never had the the hymen problem. So I'm like, bye thanks, not a virgin anymore. See you later, buddy. And then he took off and I, there were other friends there that night. I don't know where the hell my parents were probably at the movies. I don't know. And I, all I know is that when they came back, he was masturbating in the front yard. (laughs) And, um, my parents drove up and like pulled up and like saw him like, when my mom saw him, oh my god, like masturbating in the bushes. Oh my god! And came in the house and was like, like, 
why is so-and-so because we all grew up together so like oh my god she knows these kids she's like why is so-and-so jerking his meat in the front yard and i'm like i don't know i they have no idea and then he went and he called one of my friends to pick him up and was like oh rebecca left me hard finished me off and so she did oh wow and i was like F you. That's not cool. But at the same point, I was like, I'm glad you finished him off because I wasn't going to do it because that was a whack situation. That is quite a lot of sharing at a young age. Yeah. So that's my not so exciting. But then I told my mom that night. I was like, Mom, um, I had sex and I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, well, it doesn't sound like it was the right time to do it. Like, mm. if it's not you know, if it was that unpleasant, then yeah. something's off. There's a reason for it. So I would hold off. Um, I'm doing that again. <laughs> so did you end up ever having any good experiences in high school, either with yourself, by yourself or with partners? The only good experience I remember is my first blowjob, which was right around that time with one of the really hot guys again. I don't know how I ended up in his car in my front yard or how I ended up. I don't remember. I just remember it happening and instantly loving it and being like, Mm. this is amazing. I don't think I'd ever even seen like a penis in real life, but I, I just, I don't know why I loved it. Probably because that was my first sexual act that I felt was like how it, in my mind, like it was sexy, like I thought losing my virginity would be, but it wasn't. Mm. And I wasn't even necessarily like into this guy. It was just that young. I don't know. He probably just asked for a blowjob. And I was like, sure, why not? Give it a try. And then I was like, this is awesome. And I didn't know not to spit it out or anything. Uh-huh. Again, my reference was the Spice Channel. So yeah. I just swallowed and I guess that and I remember finishing him being like, where did you learn how to do that? And I was like, was it, was it good? Like, did I do it? Yeah. Right? Where did you learn how to do that? I'm like, oh my God, nobody's ever like swallowed. And I'm like, oh, was that, I shouldn't have done that. He's like, no, that's good. Like, I'm really glad you did that, but no one's ever done that before. And like, you're really good at that. And I'm like, I am. Thanks. Like, I was so like. <laughs> How were you so good at it? Just naturally? Did you? I mean, you'd watch the Spice Channel. Was it just guessing? I think I'm good. I think I was good at it from the beginning okay. because I liked it. Yeah. Like, I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. It wasn't something I was just trying to get over with. Like, I savored it. I, I enjoyed the power. Mm. How much more power can you have than a man's? most important member in your mouth where there's teeth on that note looking back with now decades of experience will you actually just give us the overview of how you like to enjoy a cock how i like to give a blowjob you mean like Uh like i have a i have lots of techniques one of them being it's a certain type of suction that i like to have i like to be looser with my mouth well i I think i'm always just naturally deep-throated too Mm because i thought that's what you were supposed to do so I just always did that. Again, thanks Spice Channel, but hey, it made me a good lover, I guess. I don't know. So when I when I'm going down on it, I'm looser. 
But then when I come up with onto the head, I create almost a suction, not as hard suction, but enough for some resistance. With your lips? With my mouth. With your whole like, mouth. Okay. Yeah. So I have the head in and create like a suction, kind of go in and out with the suction just on the head, like focusing on that. And then loosening my mouth and using my lips to kind of create it to be tight as I go down. Mm-hmm. I've always used my hands a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't love putting balls in my mouth, but I'll do it because okay. it's part of the package. Ah, mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Do you ask ahead of time usually or like in your adult experience? Um, no. Because I've met some uh, guys that are like not into ball stuff. So it seems like you could skip some balls if you just want to. I kind of gauge <laughs> Or all of them. I kind of gauge it. I usually always at least cup them. Okay. Um, and if I get a response from cupping them, then maybe I'll squeeze a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. And then if they like that, then maybe I'll lick a little bit. So I like, I ease my way into it. I mean, if they tense up, if I put one in my mouth, then clearly, you know, I'll back off. And I'm not going to focus on it because it's not really my thing. But if they seem to really be into the ball play, I'll deal with it. Yeah. You know, I'll deal. Let me give her. So that was my. So yeah, that that blow job in sophomore year would have probably been my first positive sexual experience when I realized. Well, and then that news traveled fast, so that became kind of a a thing that I did probably pretty frequently. But I didn't want to have sex because I'm like, okay. no, Mm-mm. nope, but I will give you the best head of your life, but you're not, nope. And I didn't really want anything done to me either. Why? I think because I, it was just so disappointed and I thought I was going to have this great sex my first time. And I just didn't, it, I was so disappointed in it that I just didn't want to do it again. And then sophomore year also was kind of when I started really realizing that my feelings towards girls was not so much normal normal i mean heterosexual yeah yeah like i it might yeah i was i was not i was not straight and that not all girls have oral sex with their babysitters you know like Mm -hmm. i as you grow and you learn and you realize oh that's not normal and you learn about sexual abuse and you learn about things and you start to kind of put it all together and then you kind of have to come to terms with, with early childhood trauma in that way. But I never let it make me feel bad because I think I've just always been really in touch with myself sexually that I, I, I've always to this day, you know, I'm really upset that happened, but I chose to make the best of it uh, and not let it hinder me. But I definitely think, I mean, I, there's no way to know for sure, but I do think that people that are not, heterosexual are either born that way or develop that from trauma that's just my personal opinion i know Mm. that never agree with that i think some people are born that way straight out of the gate and then for me i don't think i was 
And then I think that trauma made me, you know, develop into a bisexual person. Why do you think that? I think at an age like eight, when you're becoming who you're going to be and your brain is literally still developing and something like oral sex with another girl becomes a normal part of your life for an extended period of time, it normalizes that. Whereas most people that doesn't happen to, if they are heterosexual, may not feel as comfortable with that hmm. as they grow. Or be I don't, I actually don't know. I'm going to push back because I actually don't know that the facts support that. And I know my own personal experience doesn't. So I, I would, I say we have to do more research on what's natural and normal because I've actually read some studies from a person there. Um, there's a book called Helen Fisher. I think it's all about love. I haven't finished the whole thing because it sounds very, very like, like it sounds like she has a monogamous agenda. So I'm like, I don't know. But she was talking about how studies have been done where they link homosexuality to birth order. Like there, so there's all kinds of stuff that I was like, this is something I want to read more about. So I'm, I'm just always yeah. hyper cautious about generalizations and think they're important to talk yeah, about. For sure. And, and I think there's lots of ways that people are or become gay. I just, in my personal experience, I think my bisexuality stems from trauma and my pansexuality stems from who I've become as an adult. Mm. So mm. that has nothing to do with trauma. And I think that might've developed regardless. Interesting. Because as an adult, I just became so open, but I don't think I would have been bisexual in my teens and twenties if I didn't have that early childhood trauma. Okay. Um, that that I derived I think that's how I coped with that trauma yeah. was by being sexual with girls to cope with that do you think then though that you could have developed into a pansexual person like how can you separate those things I don't know I don't know okay so did you end up having earlier experiences or can you share some of those earlier experiences with women that it sounds like you had yeah. Um, I remember my first public foray into, oh, Rebecca's, you know, date girls or whatever was at a party. And I don't, there was another girl at the party. I don't think I knew her all that well. She went to my school, public school, and we ended up like making out in the middle of like, probably by the keg or something. I don't know, like in the middle of where all the people were. Mm -hmm. That was a big deal. She was doing it for attention. I was doing it because I thought she was hot. So mm -hmm. there was always, and I think probably a lot of women who are attracted to women in their teens are going to be up against that when they, when they do get a girl to kiss them, mm -hmm. they might be doing it for the attention or just to be wild or because they're drunk. Whereas when you truly are sexually attracted to women, you might be kissing them because you want to kiss them, mm -hmm. not for the attention mm -hmm. that you get from it. But that was a very public, very big party. And that went around school really fast. Okay. What was the consequence? And can you give our listeners just a quick snippet of like, what was the vibe like conservativeness wise at your school? It sounds like it was a big deal. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this, this was, this was big news at school okay. because I don't think there was any, and again, this was nineties. So it was not now. It was not 
there were probably a few gay kids, but they weren't accepted. Yeah. They were different. It's not like it is now. And I'm so happy about that. But it was definitely a big topic around campus. And I, and I got a lot of teasing for it, but I liked it because I don't know. I liked being talked about. I liked mm. being gossip. I liked people talking about me mm. and there's, I'm sure there's a whole, you know, we could dig into that in the therapy chair, but you know, I like doing wild things and having people gossip about it. I liked being the life of the party and doing all the wild things and you know, what everybody's talking about on Monday at school. I liked that. So yeah, it was definitely the topic at school. Hmm. I don't feel like I got any hatred, Okay, but I got a lot of, whoa, like, whoa, what do you mean? Like, how could you do that? Like, oh my God, like, do you like girls? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and like, it never felt different to me. Hmm. Like, liking girls and liking guys never felt different to me. Yeah. Did you ever end up dating a girl in your younger years? No. Okay. Mm -mm. Not till college. Okay. Yeah. I just would make out with girls at parties and I I didn't have any, I don't think I had any like full on sexual encounters with women until college. And I didn't have sex again until after I graduated from high school. Okay. And it was someone I liked that I wanted to, wasn't to get over with. However, I was on my period and my friend told me, that you can have sex with a tampon in. That she oh, had. no. So I did have very good sex, multiple position, like he knew what he was doing, and I liked it. However, I got a tampon lodged in my cervix. Yeah. So, because of course I did. So that was tricky to explain to my mother at church that Sunday that um, I needed to go to the hospital because I told her I put a tampon in when I already had one in. I made some. Oh my gosh. Do you feel I like she some, knew? Probably. Okay. But she probably didn't. But I remember it took three different doctors to get it out. And it was this old man. And he was like, Oh, of course, this is uncomfortable for you, honey. You're a virgin. And I remember being like, Yes. Looking at my mom. And I'm like, Do you know how that, like, no, I'm not. Like, why would you? That's how that got there. Like, what? Like, and to this day, I wonder if he was covering for me, like trying to cover for me. That sounds like a small town conservative person attempting to be kind. Or if he just figured I was 17 and so I was, I don't know. But he got it out to three different doctors and I had never had a pap smear yet. Yeah, yeah. So it was my first speculum thing. It was traumatizing. So I waited a while after that too. So the beginning stages of, of Rebecca's actual sex was was unpleasant <laughs> so okay uh, I, I overcame that <laughs> so. great okay so before we dive into all of your like adult experiences will you just give us an overview of like what are your favorite things about sex and then maybe that will lead us to stories the power mm. the power it's a power exchange as i aged i definitely used my sexuality as a weapon and I don't even necessarily mean that as a bad thing. Can you tell us more specifically, like what the like what the power feels like, what the good weapon feels like? I well, I started going to bars at seventeen. That's when I got my fake ID, and I graduated high school when I was seventeen. So I started living a very adult life 
at 17 and I'm going to bars and meeting guys. And, and I would, I, I have anxiety, like severe anxiety and severe social anxiety. And, and in those years I dealt with it with alcohol and sex. Mm. So I would drink excessively to not be nervous. And then to deal with just the social insecurity, I would conquer a guy. Mm. Like I would decide which one I was going to, you know, hook up with and then make it happen. And that was empowering to me. And, but also, especially in the nineties and early two thousands, it was women were not as sexually liberated as they are now and continue to be. So I wasn't super obvious about it or open about it, um, but I loved it. I loved going out and, and sleeping with guys like the guys did. Like it always, that double standard bothered me even as, you know, a teenager, like, so guys get a high five if they hook up with a chick, but if I go hook up with a random guy, I'm a slut. Like, I don't like that. doesn't feel right. Yeah. So it's not right. It's not just, no. it's not fair. Yeah, you're right. No, but <laughs> kind of taught that or, you know, it's just kind of, at least then. It's not was, still pretty written into a lot of our media that we consume and it's baked into yeah. a lot of old ideas that we're currently in the yeah. process of overturning. So yeah. yay us. So I was very empowered early on by my sexual power. Okay. Um, I want to get more specific. Like how did it manifest for you? Was it looks? How did it feel? What physical sensations? What is there a story that illustrates how you used it? You know, like I love these. I know you're full of juicy details, so I'm poking you for them. <laughs> yes. It's almost harder to talk about those early years because I wasn't open about it like mm -hmm. I am now. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it, it's there. It's just doesn't come out as easily. Yeah. Um, it's not as easy to articulate because I wasn't articulate about it then. Um, uh -huh, uh -huh. Let me think. I, I think when I got my first booty call, my long-term, who was also my weed dealer, because of course, and I remember I went to score my drugs and he just like, so I we're into like 18, 19 now. And he just like put the moves on me and I was like, oh, oh, I wasn't there in my mind at all. Cause I was just, you know, getting my weed and, and we had just had sex. Like we were probably in like some parking lot somewhere. I don't know. And it was like, it felt very illicit. Like it was, it was my dealer. It was, it was my friend's ex. Like mm -hmm. it was not someone I had ever thought of in that way. And it was really, really good. And so it was really, really good sex with someone I wasn't necessarily attracted to in that way. I mean, he was an attractive person, but the way he touched me was very <sighs> forceful, not forceful, but assertive. I don't know. Like it was, it was not dominating, but it was, he, he, he took me how he wanted me, I mm -hmm. guess. And I, and I liked that. So how he wanted you was also how you wanted to be wanted, if I'm yeah. understanding. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I really, I was able to really enjoy that because there was not an emotional aspect to it. Mm. So I could just focus on the feeling of, you know, how he felt inside of me and how it felt for him to be in my mouth and, and being in a car, like where people could see us and it evolved into his apartment or, you know, all over the place, but 
it went on for years, but it definitely got the juices flowing. Okay. For, I think that's what kickstarted the woman we know now. Okay. <laughs> and was that started. your first regular sexual partner? Like off, it sounds like he was kind of an off and on fuck buddy type. Oh yeah. No, like he would text me. Actually, he would page me. That's how old I am. <laughs> I um, love it. It was totally a drop whatever you're doing, meet up, bang it out, go on with the day. Like okay. any time of day, wherever we could get to each other. Did that result in some interesting locations? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it, we used to meet in like an like a retirement home parking lot <laughs> because it was so bad. A, a Jewish temple, the back of a Jewish temple, cut wherever. But I never felt anything for him other than my dealer, <laughs> my friend. I mean, my friend, yeah. loosely my friend. I mean, I wouldn't invite him to my birthday party. Sure. But it sounds but like it you felt just... safe enough around him to yeah. like experience your own body. But it was like he was yeah. removed enough that you didn't have to deal with the anxiety. I didn't have to think about it. Yeah, It was purely sex. Good sex. Well, good 19-year-old sex. But sure. Still. Good yeah. first experience getting to know thyself sex, you know? Yeah, totally. And not and and pretty pretty vanilla. Yeah. So it wasn't overwhelming. Yeah. It wasn't I wasn't being introduced. I wasn't being overwhelmed. It was just purely figuring out what I liked. Mm. And and it being someone that everybody knew. Mm. Well, not everybody, but most of my friends smoked. So we all got our stuff from the same dude. He was that dude. So Sorry, one more. That's okay. Um, Did they um, know that? Nobody knew. Okay. Which made it, I think that was a big part of it. Yeah. So I, I think I'm seeing something here like good sex for me is so much more a mental thing mm. than a physical thing. You know, being in a car, being behind a building, having it be someone that everybody knows but doesn't know that I'm sleeping with. I think that played a lot into why it was so good yeah just the the secret and does that mental thing have a physical result like is it actually affecting your ability to receive physical pleasure or orgasm or is that just kind of a side piece for you i think it's a motivator Mm. like it's what made me drop whatever i was doing yeah or for me to get a random hankering at three o'clock in the afternoon and be like, yo, let's meet behind the temple. Like, no, like, I don't like, I think that was the motivator. Yeah. Or like, you know, when I'd be with my friends and we need the score, we get it. And then like, I know I'd wink at him and be, you know, like slip him a note or something like catch up in a couple hours, like fun. And they would know. So it was, it was the secret, which makes a lot of sense. Knowing what I ended up getting into in my life, like it's all making sense now. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the secret. And it sounds like that kind of erotic, energetic exchange with a person is more exciting than just the drive of pure physical pleasure. And that's kind of oh, maybe yeah. related to your masturbation levels. Like when you have a partner in the scene, you're more likely absolutely to, mm, okay. Absolutely, cool. that's definitely accurate. Oh. Mm-hmm. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor, and they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice, so I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up? 
embrace your desires, and find like-minded people. This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Fleur. As life's routine settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories. So they downloaded Fleur and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor App celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Fleur invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Fleur now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. Okay, so in those times where you've been partnered, though, I do want to hear you talk a little bit about your physical body and what she likes. Specifically, I would love to hear how, if at all, you enjoy being gone down on or what your nipples are like and those physical sensation type things. Okay, well, then we have to bring in I've referred to Bookstore Boy so many times that this is when Bookstore Boy came into my life. And Bookstore Boy is a guy from high school that I knew of but wasn't friends with, ran into him at a bar, and I'm 19, and we just had this weird connection, a sexual, purely sexual connection. And he took me back to his house, and he was like, I'm going to eat your pussy. And I'm like, no you're not because my only experience with that was you know my first time when the guy was like oh my god you have hair so he's like no 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 like this will be different like I know what I'm doing just just trust me and he was not lying and this became my sexual partner well up until last year on and off so Mm. this became a lifelong person on and off and so he knew what he was doing and was very okay so what made it so good he used his hands and his mouth I think Mm. that's so important in in many ways I think using the tongue on the clit with fingers in the vagina Mm -hmm. is very important but I also think that mouth on the vagina and fingers on the clit is very important too I think yeah. that's overlooked you gotta switch them up like both are nice <laughs> yeah and very slow and and concentrated like I don't like licking all over the place like I don't need my outer labium I mean it's in the picture but yeah. it's all part of the game but I like focus yeah. on my clit I, there's I don't need a ton of attention like leading up some kisses around the outside or some licks around the outside, fine. But like, let's focus. Okay. <laughs> Hone in on the goal here. And so he was very 
well, he loved it. It was like the equivalent of me. Like he, you know, went down on me the way that I went down on the guys that I hooked up with in the way that it was good because I loved it. So it was good because he loved it. And I always intuitively could read when I was giving a guy head what he wanted. I could read by his movements, by his sounds. I could change up my technique and he could do that too. So I even remember thinking afterwards that that first night, like, oh, he's like the guy version of me. Like he can just go with the flow. Like he knows what he's doing, but naturally. Mm. (laughs) So yeah. And so he would just go down on me all the time because he loved it. And he loved something I had going on down there. I mean, I just, he always called it sweet nectar. (laughs) So I'm like, <laughs> okay. Did he ever try to put his mouth on any other holes? Are you into butt stuff at all? I I, I did a I had a phase okay. not with him, uh-huh. but we we both had this like secret kinky side to us okay. that that we'd never really explored because we were afraid to kind of say we were both kind of afraid to say what we wanted to try, and as we continued our booty call. We actually became really good friends. Uh-huh. And so again, the secret, we were just really great friends to everyone else, but we totally were sneaking off to go down on each other randomly. I like that. I still do. And so we soon realized, wait, are you kind of like went, wanting to try some things? And so we went to a porn shop. I remember our first time we went to the porn shop and we were just looking at all the porns, like, and getting ideas like we were like we need to try it all like we need to try all the things so that we can see what's good um and what's what's not good and and we just tried it all like we would rent porns again early 2000s and <laughs> we would rent, rent porns probably vhs probably i don't know and just go try to like do whatever they were doing and so we we tied each other up and handcuffed each other and got toys and the whole thing, because we both had this like unfulfilled kinky side that we never met another person. And I think because we were such good friends, there was a trust there yeah. that you kind of have to have if you're going to do kinky shit. Um, so for years, we just had this explorative, really, really good friends on the one side, but also a, a bunch of kinky 20 year olds behind closed doors trying out all the things okay so, so what kinds of things did you try out <laughs> i remember when we came across the squirting porn and him being like oh my god i have to make you do that and i'm like i don't know if i can do that yeah and he's like oh we're gonna get you to do that so i remember it took days it, it was i remember literally being like squatted like a frog in front of the tv with him like laying under me so he had good view like trying to man- trying to get it to happen <laughs> and eventually it did and I remember being proud that we we you know did it it wasn't something I wanted to like necessarily do all the time what did it feel like because the first times I scored it I was like ah I don't know this is a lot and now I'm now it feels different to me yeah then I I was like that has to be pee he's like no it's not oh. He's like, I just tasted it. It's not pee. And I'm like, really? Let me taste it. Are you sure? 
And it's like sugar water. It's not pee. It tasted sweet to me. And I'm like, okay. Because to me, it felt like, because he was, he literally like researched it and was like, okay, so you're going to feel like you have to pee, but you don't. So just like, let it go. And I'm like, if I let it go, I'm going to pee on you. He's like, well, you won't just like, just push past that feeling. But I couldn't get over that feeling of like pee. So it's like a warm release. It is. It's a warm release feeling. To me, that feeling you get when you're holding your pee, mm-hmm. like for a long time, it's almost painful. Mm. That's the feeling I get like right before and when I squirt. That like feeling of holding like you're oh, pee. interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I don't like that feeling. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So <laughs> not, I mean, I'll squirt on accident every once in a while, but it's not something I'm like going to go for. I don't want to seek that feeling. Yeah. If it happens spontaneously, great. But I'm, I don't like that feeling. Oh, I'm going to pee my pants. Yeah. And to me, that's what squirting feels like. Like, okay. I'm going to pee my pants. And then it feels like you peed your pants, but you haven't. Mm. But I was proud. Yes, we, yeah. we were proud. Can you tell us some of your favorite things that you've explored with him or just at all? My favorite things. Okay. Let me go through my early. You know, I, I really loved public sex for a while. Like, as I was really heavy in the bar scene heavy in the drinking so bars are going to give you endless opportunities of d-bags to hook up with did you do it in bars oh yeah you've had sex in a bar oh yeah oh that's normal okay where like out in the open or in a bathroom or um i know i've like jacked a guy off like on the dance floor and like gotten (laughs) fingered on the dance floor okay and then like gone behind a group of people they like cover us right quick and then like hanging out in the corner i don't know these were cd bars like this was bad but one of my favorites was just a a random we went to the top of the parking structure outside of this bar and it was like the the stairs by the elevator to go down we just like started having sex right there like a little bit off but like people were getting in their cars and like it's a parking garage, but we were all the way at the top. And I just, I like that. Okay. I like that. I don't like it all the time, but I remember loving that feeling of being out in the open and the, oh yeah. And back to bookstore boy, we did it on a pitcher's mound at, on a baseball, like in the middle of the night. Hot. I think I read that story. You I did? I read that story <laughs> to me? Yeah. We, we met up and did it on the pitcher's mound at the elementary school baseball field in the middle of the night. So, yes, I do think some of my most favorite experiences were public, but not actually being watched. So here's my question about that, because I'm a high anxiety person. So for me, public spaces shut down my ability to orgasm. Like I get so hyper anxious about getting caught that for me, it's almost like gets past it almost negates the turn on. Are you able to come in these public sex situations? Yeah. That's awesome. Do you need anything special to come? Are you a tough come? Are you an easy come? What are your orgasms like? I am tough just from penetration. Mm-hmm. Like it's very rare that I'm going to have any kind of orgasm from just penetrative sex. But if my clitoris is manipulated at all, it's easy. Okay. It does not take much at all. Okay. And I've also always been multiple 
So it's never been just one for me. I don't think. I didn't know it. That wasn't typical. Okay. Like in my formative years, I thought everyone just had a bunch. Okay. So I have a theory then. (laughs) I feel like people who are easier comes don't need to talk about sex with partners as much or they kind of don't. They don't do it as much because they're so used to being able to just do the thing. Do you feel like that was true for you? Well, it also sounds like a lot of your early experiences were kind of like wild. So perhaps not. I imagine you weren't having full length conversations with people on the dance floor before, like jerking them off. (laughs) Right. No, these were not like I wasn't worried about having an orgasm in those days. Mm -hmm. Like that wasn't my goal. Okay, But talking about sex in general, did you do it ahead of time? No. How about now? Yes. Yes. I think I had quite a few steady booty calls. Like that was my thing all through my 20s. Like I had probably five on rotation in those, you know, in a a 10-year span. Mm -hmm. So I talked with them. But that was because this was an established thing. Like, hey, let's try this. Or I saw this cool porn. I want to do that. I don't think there was a lot of dialogue until until my awakening in the last yeah. two years of my life. Okay. Where making sure I had an orgasm became even part of it. Like, it was never all that important to me. Yeah. It happened to happen. I feel like you were like me in the sense of a lot of my early experiences were excitement and curiosity filled. Like, where is it going to go? Like we talked about earlier, the, the buildup yeah. and like the emotional aspect of it is quite possibly better for me, more satisfying Mm. for me than the actual physical act. Okay. Like the lead up and then the during, that connection during, and then thinking about it after or planning the next time, that is way more sexual to me than actual physical acts. I mean, everybody loves an orgasm, but I don't know. But it's it's just as good for me, all the thoughts. are just as good as the act itself for me absolutely does that mean that just like thinking about them again or talking about them again or writing them down again is like is that almost like better than masturbating like is that why you don't touch yourself because it's just it's it's the it really is the mental stimulation Mm -hmm. absolutely cool 100 percent. yeah i think that yeah reliving it or just thinking I, I it's it's better okay. I wouldn't say better it's as good absolutely yeah. because I don't know why okay it's just where I go in my head I and probably because I've enjoyed a lot of secret behind closed doors things uh-huh. I couldn't talk like I chose not to talk to people about it mm-hmm. so I was talking to myself about it mm-hmm. so that just became habitual mm-hmm. to just discuss it in my own mind and relive things okay so yeah it's a a mind game probably we could call it with myself so with these lovers in your 20s were they like staggered like would they overlap or was it sort of like they had time periods obviously bookstore boy has been a recurring theme but the rest of them they were concurrent they really were rotating okay cool and a lot of them knew about each other that was my next question okay how is that i was very, very sexually liberated in my 20s. Different than my 30s. I'm still very sexually liberated, but it's different. My my 20s sexual liberation was 
wild abandon. Like it was just all over the place, out of control, not worried about, you know, any consequences. Well, some consequences. I use protection and mm-hmm. like those things are always on the on the plate. But mm-hmm. I didn't worry about what people thought or, you know, who I might hurt, which inevitably happened sometimes. I just did whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And a lot of it had to do with drinking. So I think drinking and going to bars and having crazy random sex kind of tends to overlap. So, but I stopped drinking in my late twenties. So that probably is why that shifted. Okay. Oh, had a lot to do with the shift. I have a question. Lots of drinking, but also hearing you talk about using protection. How'd you do it? Tell us your secrets. Yeah. How do you have those conversations? I, or do you just like slap the condom on? I would just put the condom on. I used to put it on with my mouth. You knew because... you know how to do that? How did you learn? I want to, like, I'm not good at it. I tried it only once, I think. I haven't had a partner that's this like a willing. the beauty of, of having my established partners. Mm. Because I remember having that thought. Like, how am I going to make sure that there's a condom on? And then I probably saw it in a movie or a porn, or not probably not a porn, I probably saw it in a movie or something or heard it from a friend, like put it on with your mouth because then they're just so shocked that you just did that yeah. and they have their cock in your mouth. So they're not going to complain. And then you get it on there and then, you know, it's on there, right? <laughs> because I was always so scared of getting a STD or getting pregnant. I mean, true fear that even in a drunk state, I always had condoms with me at all times and always made sure that that was part of it. Like it was not, I didn't need to discuss it because it wasn't an option. Like if he wouldn't wear one, I would walk away. Yeah. There was not, it was not up for discussion. Um, How was that instilled in you? I think I'm just, STDs grossed me out. Like okay. the pictures I saw that they show you, like, in sex ed and stuff like and I and I went online and looked because again I was always so curious like I wanted to know what it actually was and I've always been kind of like not a germaphobe but like I get the heebies with like totally you know (laughs) yeah cleanliness just just sanitation I don't know and so when I deeply researched what sexually transmitted diseases actually were what was happening in the body it just horrified me. Yeah. And I just really had a fear of that happening. And I had a friend get genital herpes um, and I watched her struggle with that yep. and what that did to her and how that shaped her life and having to tell partners and how you do that. And, and I just, I watched how hard that was for her. And so that also just added to my phobia so totally and I was always just really afraid of getting pregnant too that makes sense because I didn't want to have a kid so uh, I just it was always a priority and non-negotiable so we were talking about your sexual awakening in your 20s and then how you stopped drinking and sexual awakening in your 30s have your health and safety conversations changed along with that or is it just time to skip into the 30s sexual awakening I don't know I think so I think an important thing to add is, you know, in college, when I was 22, probably 22, 23, I met my first, we didn't have transgender. That wasn't a thing yet. It it was a male presenting female. Mm -hmm. So I'd never seen a person like that. 
and she was from Panama and she had beautiful like mocha colored skin and short hair and wore like, you know, thuggish clothing. This is, you know, again, early 2000s, the baggy jeans and the polos and men's clothing, men's cologne, men's jewelry, but clearly a female body person. Mm. And I was just like, had some sort of mind boggling, like, I have to have this person. Oh. Like, because she's both, like, and because she is or she isn't, like, she's just, I was so fascinated with her that I had to have her. Yeah. And I, and I pursued her relentlessly and ended up getting her. We were in a relationship for four years. Wow. So till after I graduated, I mean, I, we both graduated and we ended up moving in together. So we broke up in 2010. So yeah, it was, it was a big chunk of my life. Wow. It, where I was not with men at all. Wow. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to be, I was just so infatuated with her and I got both with her. So I didn't feel the need, you know, a lot of the yeah. guys, like I would be like, can we bring a girl into this? Like, cause I, I, I've always felt like most satisfied when I had both partners, not always at the same time, but in the rotation, you know, I, I like both. So can you describe the flavor of her both? She, oh, I don't know. She had like beautiful breasts. They weren't tiny. Like she, like I said, she was a female, she was a Latin woman. So she had hips and ass and breasts in men's clothing, mm-hmm. in men's cologne, mm-hmm. uh, with short hair and like men's glasses. And she, you know, I'd never seen a strap on. And of course she had one. And, and that experience was amazing because I don't know. I, I got to, I don't know. I I just loved it. I loved having sex with her with a strap on. Like that was mind blowing to me. And she had never used a vibrator before. So like I got to introduce her to like a silver bullet and she cried. I remember like little tears because she'd never had a, a clitoral orgasm before. And so, yeah, it was it was totally different kind of sex. What was her relationship like with her vagina? Like, did you get to go down on her a lot or what was the dynamic there? No, she was not dysmorphic about her vagina, but it was not really in the mix okay. so much. Okay. Like, we would mutually masturbate. Like, we acknowledged she had one. Like, she'd let me put a toy on it. But, okay. like, I think it would be a little, like... There was a way I would go down on her occasionally, but it, I would make it kind of seem like I was giving her head. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like just in the way I would position my body or like, and because she liked it, then I liked. And so that, I think that whole relationship really developed and made me truly pansexual because I didn't love her because she was female or because she was male or really because she was both, but because they didn't have to be there at all. Yeah. It's just who she was. Um, and I was happy to, you know, acquiesce to whatever worked for her. If she wanted me to, you know, suck her strap on, you know, if that made her feel manly when she needed to, like mm. I, I was down to just morph with whatever. Yeah. And it stimulated me emotionally to be able to give her satisfaction on that wavering gender line. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, that was a that was a great growth experience being with her for that for for a long time. 
Okay. Yeah. So that really is a big part of my journey, I think, to touch on. Because right after that was when I somehow met up with one of my former booty calls. I was single again. He was single again. And we always had good sex. And I'm not sure what happened, but we ended up engaged within a year. And then I got pregnant on our wedding night. See, on your wedding night, you knew I, I had sex for the first time without protection on my wedding night. So I told you I'm a stickler. So we always did something and I knew I wanted kids right away because I was 29 at this point. I wanted a baby and, and I, you hear like you go off birth control, you don't use condoms and then it happens within a while. And I figure, well, I've never accidentally gotten pregnant. So it might take a while. No, two weeks after the wedding, I had a positive pregnancy test. So that was crazy. (laughs) That baby wanted to be born. The baby's like, mom, you're mine. So I went from this super intense, truly lesbian relationship to a guy that I used to just hook up with. And we used to have threesomes. So he knew that part about me. Okay. And we had very good, very good, especially that second round when he came back into my life again. It was just, it was one of those things where it was never bad. Like, even if it was lazy, half-assed sex, like, it was great. And even if there was emotional problems going on, we never had a problem there. Like, we always had that to go to. It was like our touchstone was just our great sex. Um, But getting pregnant on your wedding night and being pregnant your first nine months of marriage is tricky, I'll tell you. Yeah. And so I got married and had my child all in 2013. Wow. That happened. Wow. And that affected our sex life. Oh. Understandably. So when I was pregnant, I was super horny. Like I I I've never been so horny. Really? Okay. And like these crazy, like crying orgasms. Like mm. it was just like I had to have sex like multiple times a day. And I think part of why it was so good was because I knew I couldn't get pregnant. That may sound a little silly, but no, I, I've heard that, that fear. Yeah. And I'm just like, fill me up, fucker. Like, like just <laughs> go in and just fill me up because nothing can happen. And I would assume there's a lot more blood flow and hormones, you know, energy down there. I mean, as you get really big, it becomes a problem. But, you know, in the early stages, you know, when you don't feel your child kicking, yeah. it's, it's you know, but after I had her, I dealt with some postpartum depression and that really affected our sex life and it, our sex life went to nothing pretty much. And then he died in a motorcycle accident um, when our daughter was six, when our daughter was 16 months old. So I was 30. So, oh my God. Yeah. And she was 16 months old. So from 30 to 34, sex was not even on my radar at all. I had to figure out how to support my kid yeah, and how to breathe function. And yeah. My life just got like, you know, I lost my house. I lost everything. So it took me about three years to even, huge, you know, <laughs> to even become a person again. Yeah. It took about three. And then I was like, okay, time to get back up on the horse. Like my child is, you know, a walking, talking three or four year old now, like she's going to make it. She's not a little meatloaf, you know, that has to be fed a bottle all the time. <laughs> she's going to at least, you know, 
wipe her own butt. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, maybe I need to just be myself again and be a new person again. And I dealt with a lot of, I felt like I was cheating. Like when I started going online and kind of just talking to guys and I hit up some of those old booty calls that were still around. And you know, what's funny is it didn't even take a year after his accident for some of my old booty calls to come out of the woodwork. And I'm Whoa. like, really? Really? Whoa. Like that didn't. That didn't feel good. And they initiated. Um, Fuck. Whoa. Uh, yeah. I'm like, you're, that's gross. But there were a few that, you know, obviously were not like that. And so I thought about that and it's like, I don't know. I dated a few guys. I didn't sleep with them. So I ended up not having sex for like four years. Wow. And didn't even think about it, yeah. like not yeah. masturbation, not nothing. But then I started coming back into myself and it was right around that time I found your podcast. So that was kind of what it made me it, I explain it. Like I, it made me remember when I was sexually liberated and sex mm. was such a big part of who I was. And when I could talk openly about it and I enjoyed talking. Yeah, friends and and that euphoria that came that we talked about that feeling of the mental sex like it it brought it back and I was like oh, that's right I love sex that's right okay okay so all right well, well let's see about this so I just kept listening to the podcasts yeah. and made me start thinking about things and remembering things and reminiscing about things and I just slowly started feeling my womanhood come yeah. back like because I was just like a shell of a person so I had to be for a couple of years and then I just you know and then th things started changing for me you know I, I finally submitted my book and got it published and I got a job at a bookstore and started socializing with the public again and you know, I, I just started being a human again. And then I decided I had to leave my hometown. Mm. I had to leave my hometown that I lived in my whole life where all this horrible shit happened yeah. and, and leave. And so that was last summer in the middle of the pandemic. Wow. I just packed up my car and I was driving. It's a three hour drive from my hometown to where I moved to. Mm -hmm. So that's like two, three podcasts. So I yeah. those drives, I just popped in my earbuds and just zoned out and it made the drive so much easier wow. and I was able to soul search you know and just be on the road driving and yeah so it's been almost a year now and I've been you know in on the lives and that's become a big part of my life and the little community we have there and yeah. sharing my stories there so that's kind of how I ended up where I am now <laughs> Do you feel comfortable telling our listeners something that you did share on a live stream about? Well, oh, but I also want, if you're open to it, I would love to hear you talk a little bit about what it's been like dating as a, you seemed to have a very specific to the word widow when we, when you shared that on the oh. live stream, if that's a live for you, I would, and if you want to share that, I would be curious. And then I would love if you told just like a shorter version of your experience with the couple, if you want to. Yeah. So what triggered this whole thing was a, as I was preparing to move, an ex, a very significant ex, who I 
hit me up and was married. And you read this story. You read this story before I was ever on a live. Mm-hmm. Came into the bookstore. Okay, that's uh, so cool. The ways that I have gotten to know you. Yeah. Now like, it's all makes sense. It it's all comes sense. together. It's great. So he came into the bookstore I was working in, turned me out, and that reawoke all sorts of things. Yeah. And then that's when I got on the apps. Mm-hmm. As I move and the process is moving, I got on the apps because I'm like, all right, I can have sex. I can do this. I can hop back on that horse. Let's see. Let's see about this. And so I met a couple on Bumble and they had not ever had a threesome. But it was quarantine, so it was like gonna have to get creative. And so I had this idea as I started talking to them to FaceTime, like FaceTime them, like when they were fooling around. And then I got the even better idea to like direct their encounter. And they were totally in for that because they, they really, I, I got from them that they were trying to tap into their exhibitionism a little bit. Like they wanted someone to watch it. Yeah. Ideally, we could have just met up, but we didn't have that option because this was at like peak quarantine. So we started FaceTiming and I would be like, okay, I want you to take the pants off and then I want you to rub her thighs and I want you to just bury your face in between her legs and, you know, put a finger in. And like, I was very specific and they loved it. And like, I'd have them go in front of a mirror. So like, I'd like have her go in doggy style. He'd be behind her holding the phone facing the mirror. So like we could all see each other. That's awesome. And in the beginning, I was just watching purely with glee, happy as could be. Then they were like, maybe you could, you know, touch yourself a little bit. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And so it became like a true sex. It was not sexting. It was virtual threesome I guess I mean I wasn't there but I was kinda. Yeah. and so as quarantine got a little looser and we all knew we didn't have COVID we decided to meet up and it didn't go as planned but it went even better because when we met at this we had to sit outside and at this like bar of some sort restaurant and we're sitting there and I just need to hit her like in a it it was this overwhelming not hit her in a mean way like I I don't know I I needed to strike her Mm -hmm. (laughs) had you guys shared preferences of any kind at that point okay no 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 she might have mentioned no she no no I found out later that she had had a, a dom before a male dom and had been very into that for a while but no, but she was just such a little brat and it just, I, I needed to punish her. Mm. And it was a very strange, we're sitting there and literally I felt my hands tingling. Like I needed, I didn't want to hurt her. Yeah, I wanted to, to teach her a lesson. Like, to, to, I don't know. I can't even put it into words. And so we had both gotten hotel rooms, at the same hotel, just in case. Yeah. And I had brought my duffel bag full of all things kinky. Mm-hmm. So Rebecca's we duffel, yes. <laughs> yes, Rebecca's duffel. Oh, <laughs> uh, full circle. And I went and knocked on their door and with my duffel and 
I honestly don't know how it all went down, but it did. She ended up tied up on the bed. He was watching. I spanked her. I used a bullet to like edge her. I bit her thighs. I I was, you know, I wasn't demeaning her, but I was very vocal, very dominant. She got punished for her smart mouth at dinner a lot. And I, you know, I had my whip and it was just this. And 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 her dude is just watching like, what is happening? And I didn't even know. I just like, I tapped into this dominant woman I, that I would never want to be with a man. But this chick specifically, I just had to dominate her. Mm. And this was a totally new feeling, but it felt so natural and so good. And it, we just clicked into this DS dynamic that we didn't plan, but we had no control over. Like we had to. And and then eventually I just packed up my stuff and, and went back to my room. And that was that till, you know, we met up again a couple months later and they got it, it went fully into threesome territory, but there was no dominant submissive type stuff. Yeah. It was just truly a, a really good threesome. But I think because we had that initial thing, her and I have this bond like yeah. we still talk all the time like as like as girlfriends as friends That's like great. about our lives but then we'll send kinky gifts to each other she'll send me a picture of someone like hanging upside down like gagged and hogtied and I'm just like yes I'm gonna do that to you like I <laughs> strange it's a strange thing but it's delicious and yeah. great and um we had a great threesome and there was no awkwardness after she didn't, you know, I checked in, like she didn't have any, like watching him with me didn't leave her feeling any kind of bad way. Like she loved it. We haven't got to meet up again because quarantine got bad again, stupid COVID, but we yeah. still talk. I got some naughty pictures during the Super Bowl. Yesterday. But, so we keep it, we keep it alive. And, and yeah, so that just was a very, very much a learning experience and got to learn a whole new side of myself oh. that I didn't know was there and yeah. I didn't even look for I wasn't even looking for she just there's something about this woman that turns me into a dom I don't I don't know <laughs> what hopes do you have for your sexual life going forward let's paint the Rebecca fantasy yeah, you know, and in my and and since then I've just only done online dating and mm -hmm. I've I had some doozies and I I'm very open with these people about my kinky side and and my willingness to try new things. But that has brought in people that are will, wanting to do things that I'm not willing to do. Yeah. But I'm glad for each one because I then learn my true likes and dislikes. Yeah, you can uh, refine yep. your nose and yeses. I don't knock anybody for wanting to do those things is just not for me and won't know until I think about it or I'm exposed to it so I don't know I thought I I just keep thinking I need a, a good match of some sort mm -hmm. but I don't know online dating is a whole new beast and I know there's the odd you know it's, it's it rarely happens but it does happen where people meet online and live happily ever after but I think in my experience, it doesn't work out, especially right now in quarantine, when you go months without ever seeing them in person, having any physical mm -hmm. contact. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, FaceTime sex is great, but you know, after a while you need that physical touch and then it becomes a a matter of, are we going to risk COVID like to be together physically? Like it's just such an odd time, but it's, so it's hard to imagine my hopes post COVID because who knows when that will be. Mm -hmm. But I do know that I'm liking what I'm doing now with these online people where I'm very upfront about my, my deal breakers and my expectations. And I ask what theirs are and I, you know, let them know my willingness to respect that. And that I expect that back. And I've just cold cut people. Like it's not ghosting because I'm telling them ahead of time, like, these are my no-no lists. You get one shot on your second shot. I'm deleting your number and blocking you and you're never going to talk to me again. So that seemed to work pretty well, but it's hard. It's hard, but it, it gets easier as I continue to do that. So my hope is to continue to do that and to continue to have enough self-respect and confidence to just cut people off like that because there are plenty of guys and girls on the internet but very few are gonna truly respect those hard no's that you're not that you're not willing to have in your life and it's really hard when you can't sit and have coffee with someone yeah i didn't realize how important those things are totally well especially if the energetic connection is an important factor which it is for me as well then it's it's just hard to feel someone through a little screen What's your favorite thing about yourself sexually? Oh, probably that I naturally multiple orgasm. Mm-hmm. Like it's just my my body naturally has five <laughs> plus. It's just it's like a it's a whole situation. That's awesome. Uh, that I thought was normal. Oh yeah, I'm very thankful for that. If you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age would you pick and what would you say? Oh my gosh. Well, that's hard. I I think it goes back to that consent, that consent really young, that you don't have to accept anything you don't want to accept when it comes to your body and that, that there's nothing wrong with that, that you own your body. And no one else has the right to touch it unless you say they can (laughs) kind of. Um, And I think that that would, you know, change a lot of things. And I definitely made sure I've already, my, you know, my daughter's seven. I've had that conversation with her age appropriate, obviously, but you know, I try to give her those things that I feel like I wish I could have given myself at that time. So, yeah. Is there a sex question you want to ask me? Yes. Okay. So if you think about, I know orgasms are different all the time, but if you think about your favorite kind, or if you have one that you remember that was your favorite and you were going to paint it, (gasps) what colors would you use? And what would it look like? Oh my gosh. Ooh, let's see. I've been trying to decide how I would paint mine. Like I, well, I think the 
obvious first answer. So now that you said this, I'm like, yeah, why haven't I been painting vaginas? I think the first obvious answer for me, I have to paint my first orgasm circle. I think it's a messy circle. And it looks like an O. And oh it's an God. and it's an O. And it's I think o. I think I do put wiggly vagina shapes in the center, or maybe there's more vaginas around. And I think it's messy and like it's certainly explosive. Although, you know, so my different orgasms, especially the really powerful ones, I don't know if my eyes are open or closed. You know, it's kind of a mixture. Like it doesn't matter if they're open or yeah. closed, but I see visually experience like patterns images like they're kind of fractal sometimes not always and it's i don't i'm not synesthetic is that the right word sound and color like i am not a, yeah. i'm not a person that sees music or can hear color right. or anything like that but but i do get these uh visuals when i when i have them so i think i would probably approach this project with some research and i would probably research some orgasm you know I would probably try to have an orgasm that inspired me and then try to paint whatever like I do remember one specific that was like a mountain I remember another like tree city orgasm and one that was like an unidentifiable shell but these are just human words that do not fully describe the intricacy of all of that so I think my detail skill probably isn't up to what my brain sees but I would absolutely yeah, I think that's an obvious next step that I'm now going to have to try. I love that question. I was trying to think, like, how, how would I, like, what, I feel like I would need neon colors. Like, I yeah. think, I think mine, would, I would need, like, like, those hot colors from the 80s, like highlighter colors. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I try to do a circle, I wouldn't be able to keep it in the circle. Like, it would have to. Yeah, yeah, it has to explode out. Go outside the lines. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about it. I'm like, I wonder uh, how I could possibly capture it. Yeah, I think I'm gonna try it. I think you should, and then <laughs> please report back. Also, like, I, I definitely, I mean, I definitely will. On the live streams the last couple of weeks, I've been asking like really detail oriented emotions questions about orgasms, and I'm like, God, I wish Rebecca had been there because, and not in a guilty way at all. It's so funny that you ask me this question because I've literally been describing like the different features and feelings and things of the types of orgasms, and so. So my last question for you, just as a tack on, because it occurred to me as you asked me this question, is do your multiple orgasms feel distinct from each other in each pack? Like, yes. say, say there's a five pack. Can you just describe the the arc of them? The, how do I say that? Yeah, because I, from an early age, learned that when, I, when my body's about to orgasm, I feel it in my toes first, always. It's like a, it's like a, burning almost like in the nerves of my toes oh my like God. a like like i don't know how to like a mist, you, like misfires i don't know like sparklers have you something. done the toe pull thing no i don't know what I that want is. you to do that somebody uh our guest andrew i think back in the summer said that if you pull the toe while you're coming because it's a nerve there's a vagus nerve, vagus nerve? See, vagus yeah, nerve. i'm not a, i'm not a feet person no 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 it's it has nothing to do with feet it yeah. has to do with that if you're feeling it in your toe he said it makes an orgasm mind. Okay. It's wow. like a hot, it's a hot poker heat inside my toes, like in my nerves. Does and it my hurt? In my toes. No. Okay. No, but it's hot. Okay. 
Okay, I'm going to stop interrupting and just let you describe. Um, And then it goes up. Um, And I think I mentioned this in one of the lives. I have to clench to fully orgasm. Like, Mm -hmm. I could never Mm -hmm. be relaxed. Like, I have to squeeze my kegels in order to fully go over the ledge. And so the peak kind of stays until I release. And so if I release and then squeeze again, that's going to bring on another one. It's Mm. not going to be as intense. Okay. It's not going to be toes. Okay. But it's more body. Wow. More neck, shoulders. Okay. It's more here. And then any subsequent ones are are localized to wherever it's, wherever's being stimulated. Very intense, focused, tightening wherever I'm at. Yeah. That's amazing. So it's definitely a multi-step process. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rebecca, thank you so yeah. much for being on the show. <laughs> You're so welcome. Lovely humans. Thank you for listening. If you appreciate the work that I put into this podcast, I would love it if you took the time to leave us five stars and a nice review wherever you get your podcast, especially Spotify, since last year's troll attack on our ratings is still affecting our ability to be found via search. <laughs> I do love getting to know you and hearing your stories and meeting you lovely humans in real life. And remember, if you want to collaborate, apply to be a guest or leave us a single story voice memo via xstoriespodcast.com or sexstoriespodcast.com. Sex stories are always going to be my favorite, but now I also have question lists for love, friendship, dating, relationships, marriage, divorce, secrets, and so much more so that we can learn about connection through each other's experiences. I fucking love getting your emails and voice memos and receiving thoughtful noodle messages. It truly is hearing from you that fuels this work for me. And if you want to go deeper with me, get to know me, and support this podcast in meaningful, concrete ways, find me on Patreon, OnlyFans, FetLife, Venmo, Cash App, and all social media platforms at Wiley, or work with me privately for photo and video shoots, relationship support, creative breakthrough sessions, and retreats. Yole.com slash links is where you can find the list of all the ways to play with me, and the link is in the description below. Thank you for joining me to spread ripples of love, to co-create a world where taking care of each other is the norm. Thank you for spoiling and inspiring me with your stories and your support. Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember to share stories in the name of lovely human connection. 